take this for granted. Never take this spirit, God's presence for granted. Because this ain't everywhere. It's just not. And I'm thankful we go to a place where he shows up. And he's here. Amen. I want you to take your Bibles real quickly, and we're going to turn to two spots. Two spots, and just remain standing for just a moment. We're going to read, and I'll let you sit down. I want you to turn first to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to read just a couple verses, and then, then we'll go into Luke chapter number 14. I have been, I have been somewhat obsessed with the, the, the condition of the American church. I talk, to, I talk to my buddies, and they get tired of listening to me. Uh, they get tired of hearing it. And, and, and I guess it's, they got to write and, and, and whatever, because it's easier, it's easier to just ignore a problem and keep going and hope it goes away, isn't it? I've seen, a, I seen a, a billboard sign that said the percentage of men that die because of stubbornness. I thought, is that talking about murdered by their wife? What, what, you know, what, what does that mean? And it talks about screening for cancer. Certain cancer screenings, men are too stubborn Maybe, maybe it'll just go away. Maybe I won't have to worry about it. Maybe it won't bother. And, and, and we die. Because we're not willing to go through a little bit of uncomfortable situation, a lot of uncomfortable situation to save a life. And you know what? The American church and many American church leaders are the same way. Maybe if we just keep doing it in a, in a faster fashion or in, in a, a more intense way, it's going to change and it's going to fix it and it's going to... And it's not. You know, we confirmed that last week. We confirmed. Uh, 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 last week, we, we said that there were 1,400 pastors quit the ministry every month. Every month. Listen, thousands of churches go under every year in America. 4,000 every year shut the door. There's a gentleman on Facebook, they, they shut the door and they're trying to sell the property. And I'm like, man, there was a time when there was a vision, there was a time when there was an excitement, there was a time when, man, there was a burden, just like Brother Scott has, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pioneer a church uh, with him, and that, man, I, I'm excited about that, and, but there was a time when that was the same, and now it's death. And I'm wondering, what in the world, Why? We, last week, we talked about where we are. We talked about uh, the need to pray, the need to get back and, and, and pray and honestly seek the presence of God. And we said we're going to start a prayer meeting, and we did this past Wednesday, 7 o'clock. From now on to Lord's willing to Jesus comes, we're going to be around this altar praying because America's in trouble. America's one of the only nations in the world where Christianity's in decline. But why? The Bible says, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse 1. This know also that in the last days, and I believe that's where we're at. I believe we're right there. Perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Basically selfish. 
covetous, wanting what everybody else has, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Well, there's never been a day when I've seen mothers killing their children like today. No natural affection, no false accusers, truce breakers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. It's not, it's not good enough that they can be bad. Now they just hate those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And this one is one that got me. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Now, I know what you're thinking. When we was going through that list, boy, I tell you, that's what the world looks like. And that's what I was thinking. My whole life, every time I've ever read this, I said, boy, the world's going to be bad when the boy Jesus comes back. I mean, it's going to be bad out there. Unholy, unthankful, fierce, you know, without natural affection, uh, uh, all these things, unholy, unthankful, and a disobedient. Boy, the world's going to be terrible. But that one verse caught me. They're going to have a form of godliness. The word form means an appearance, an outer shell, fabrication of godliness, of holiness. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but wicked men don't have a form of godliness. Outside in the, in, in the lost world, they act lost, they look lost, they are lost, they don't mind telling you they're lost. So that's not who Jesus was talking about. That's not what this verse is saying. He's not saying out there. He said they have a form of godliness. What is he saying? The only people I know that even remotely has a form of godliness or any godliness are people that go to church. And when that hit me, I was like, ooh. They have a form. They have an outward shell. They have, a, they have, a, they have an appearance of godliness. But they deny the power thereof. If you've ever laid out a form, if you've ever laid out a form, you lay it out so that you can pour something into it to make the mold of whatever you are creating. And, and, and listen, you can have a form and it looks like it. It has the appearance of what you're trying to make or what you're trying to form or what you're trying to build. And I don't know if this crowd can, over here can see it all the way, but there's nothing here. There's no substance it's a form, but it's empty. It's not solid. It's not, it's not the cross of Christ. The Bible says in the last days, the world will be full of people who have a form, who have an appearance, who have an outward shell, but there's no substance. That's why America's in the shape they're in. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Your mercy and your grace, give us what we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I had some of my friends help me with this Jeremo and his brother Tater. And, and as we were making this, Tater, he looked at me and he said, Now, preacher, don't get too excited around this thing because this thing could fall at any moment. He said, I know how you are, I know how you preach. He said, don't be jumping all around this thing because it's kind of flimsy. And I said, that's perfect. It's flimsy. You, you, you can't really do anything with this. 
It only has an outward shell, an outward form. It's just got the appearance of what is the real thing. You know, today we're, we're living in a time, we're living in a time when, when the church in America is dying. I mean, it is literally dying before our eyes. And, and we are looking around and we're wondering what in the world is going on. Why is it that way? Why is it that Christianity is exploding in Sudan? It's exploding in India. It's exploding in Muslim countries. I mean, it's growing like wildfire in North Korea and South Korea. And, and I know there's got to be a Bible answer to this problem. I know there's got to be a Bible reason. I know that we can go in our our Bible and find out what in the world's going on. And I'm telling you, we can. In the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, (coughs) we learned last week that God gave them the mandate. God gave them their responsibility. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. I mean, share the gospel with every man, every creature. Let them know that Jesus saved. Repentance. Listen, repent and be converted. And all of that, they had the mandate in chapter 1 of Acts. In chapter 2, they had uh, the message. Peter stood on the day of Pentecost and saw thousands saved. The mandate was this. Going to Jerusalem, you should be witnessing me. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall be witnessing me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world, uttermost parts of the earth. Now that's the mandate. The message is repent and be converted. Chapter number 2. Chapter number 3, we have a miracle. They're going up into the temple in the hour of prayer, and this man is lame. And, G- and Peter says, silver and gold have we none, but such as I have, give I thee. Rise up and walk. What is that saying? God can heal your problem. Many of you came to this altar a while ago because you have a burden you're tired of carrying. You've got something too big for yourself, and you had to give it to God. I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, He has power to answer prayer. He has power to fix your problem. And we have a miracle working God who is on the throne today. You can have confidence in that. And they had the miracle in chapter 3. In chapter 4, they had the money. They had the money. Money was not an issue. People was taking their houses. They were taking extra land. They were taking extra things and selling it and bringing it to the disciples' feet because the gospel was so important. It was imperative to get the good news out to a lost and dying world. They had the mandate. They had the message. They had the miracle. They had the money. But they didn't go nowhere. They didn't go into Judea. They didn't go into Samaria. They didn't go to the uttermost part. Why? They got satisfied where they were. Things was going great. Things was going wonderful. The church was growing there. Listen, they were satisfied. But God said not to be right there. Go into all the world. In chapter 5, because they didn't do what God told them to do. Chapter 5, they have problems. Chapter 6, they have problems. Chapter 7, they have problems. And great persecution comes on the church in chapter 8. And then they went to all the world. When did the church explode? In the book of Acts. It really exploded in Acts 8. We know that there were thousands saved on the day of Pentecost and God was moving in a great way, but not like when the church was persecuted. There's something that takes place in the church. There's something that takes place, listen, in the body of Christ when they're under persecution, when they're going through difficult times and difficult trials where they take the gospel and the gospel goes. Say amen. Well, you know what's happening? In India, I, I, I made a list, and I, I wanted to do this. I wanted to put up the pictures of all these martyrs that are dying right now. There is a, if you'll go on Fox, Fox News right now, you can type in Iranian pastor, and there's a man on death row right now that's going to be executed unless he, he denounces his Christianity and his Christian faith. We, we have not that issue in America. We don't have a problem. None of y'all snuck here. None of y'all had to get around the Secret Service to get here. We have no problems. 
But over there, listen, they're under persecution. Over there, they go to church because they want to go to church. And they're going to go to church. They are committed. They, they don't have a form of godliness. They are carrying the cross of Christ. And because of that, God is blessing them. And in America, the only kind of Christianity we can find is a flimsy form of something that's useless. Just a form. It looks okay. Listen, if you look from this way, it looks pretty good. It looks pretty good. It looks pretty solid. But boy, when you get to searching, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. There's so many. You know what we have done? And I say we. We have dumbed everything down. We have watered everything down. We were so, so wanting the crowd. We have brought it down to whatever the crowd. Because, listen, we require less and less and less and less because people are willing to give less and less and less and less. I've seen churches advertise. One hour service. Guaranteed. I thought, what? <laughs> Bill, 20 minutes in, I'm just getting warmed up, man. And I'm thinking, well, what? Did they, get, did, did, did they send that schedule to Jesus? I mean, what if the Holy Spirit wanted to go an hour and five? <laughs> an hour and ten. What's the point? The point is, they don't need the Holy Spirit. You don't need the Holy Spirit to have a form. You don't need the Holy Spirit to have an appearance. You can put on a suit and cut your hair and come to church with shiny shoes and sing a song and be okay in most churches. You don't need the Holy Spirit because everything's on the outside. It's just an appearance. Listen, I want to go make my showing. I want to go make my appearance. And then I want to go live like a dog in the street. I want to keep shacking up. I want to keep living an immoral life. I don't want to get married. I don't want commitment. I just want to hang out and have friends with benefits. But I want to come to church and everybody think I'm okay. Just an appearance. And we wonder why there's no power in America. We wonder why there's no power in, in churches today. Why there's no conviction anymore. Because there's just an appearance. The Bible says they have an appearance of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. You see, there can be no power in this. There can be no power. Listen, this old flimsy thing can't handle any power. It wouldn't be suitable for power. The word power is dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite and dynamo and dynamic. I'm telling you, there is power in the gospel of Christ. Do you know why so many people are still struggling with their old sins and struggling with their old ways? Because all they have is an appearance. But if they'll come and nail it to the cross, God will give them power to deliver them from their problems and their situations. Listen, we need the cross. And I was sitting there, and I was thinking about what Christ did for me. My whole mindset is just trying to wrap it around. And I'm thinking, God, if I tell them what you're asking, they're going to say, what's, it, what's in it for me? Because that is the condition that we have created in America. 
But see, it should not be what, what's in it for me. It should be, look what he did. This crowd is coming to Jesus. And let me, let me hurry because I've got to get this out of me. I'm about to explode. Look in Luke chapter number 14. Luke chapter number 14, Jesus is calling and Jesus is teaching. And in and, and Luke 14, he, he says, I want you to go into the highways and hedges and compel them that my house be full. And I believe, I've, I got, I, I, I'm, I've been teaching some churches. I know it ain't that crazy. It's, it's amazing. I was, I, was, I was voted most likely to get kicked out of college. I was... I was I was so goofy. I was the youngest one in the whole college. I mean, when I, when I went, I was, I, was, I was wet behind the ears is an understatement. I mean, I was just crazy. They'd get on me, Mr. Carter, can you behave in the back? You know, I'm in Bible college now, having to call me out. Cutting up, playing, you know. And here we are, God's put me in this situation, and, 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 and the vice president of the college is in a class that I'm teaching. Ha! <laughs> Building churches. I made a bunch of them mad the other day. They paid me to make them mad. What can I say? I said, if your church looks like a bunch of good people, you're not doing your job. Had one guy, he was so proud of the fact that he had the same amount in his Sunday school as he had in his worship. He said, all of our people are committed. He said, isn't that great? I said, no. You would have thought I stole his Cheerios. He said, what? I said, man, that's not good. He says, what do you mean? That means the people in your Sunday school are not going out in this world and compelling them and bringing in the lost. If there is not a big contingent in your church that looks like they, listen, that they just come out to club on Saturday. Now, I'm not talking about saved people are supposed to act right. That's not what I'm talking about. You need to look right and act right, spit white, say amen. I'm, t- I'm saying all that stuff. I'm, I'm for that. I'm for sanctification. I'm for looking like a man and looking like a woman and looking like a Christian man and a Christian woman. I need a witness. I'm believing all that. But I'm telling you this. If there ain't some people that smell like alcohol on, on Sunday morning, then we didn't go get them on Saturday night. We're supposed to be going and compelling them to come in. We want them to come hear the gospel. We don't care who they are. We don't care what they are. We don't care where they've been. Because there was a day we was right there with them in the same place they was in. And the grace of God saved us. And we want them to know the grace of God can save them. I don't care if you're smoking crack or on alcohol. I don't care if you're in a harlot's house. I'm telling you, God can change your life. Let's go compel them and bring them in that my house might be full. He said, when it comes to getting people to the gospel, he said, let's bring them in. Let's do whatever it takes to get them in. Let's go out of our way to get them in. Let's fill the house with sinners. When it comes to salvation, he said, bring them in. Whosoever will. Man, our church ought to look like a bunch of hoodlums with some Christians mixed in. Amen. I had a guy tell me one time, I passed so-and-so church. You should have seen what them people look like going to that church, bless God. Well, hello. Wonderful. That means they're going to go in here about Jesus and act like somebody. Are y'all with me? Y'all getting what I'm trying to say? Now, when it comes to that, Jesus said, whosoever will, let them come. Come on in. Rock on. Woo! Bring them in. Well, now we got this huge crowd following Jesus. 
I mean, this huge crowd, but they, they were not all in it for the right reason. Some of them were in it so they get the problem solved. Some of them were in it so they could get a financial blessing. Some of them were in it because this man could work miracles and I have issues in my life and I want him to... But they didn't care about the salvation he had for them. They said, fix me, but don't change me. I want a ticket to heaven, but I want to live like hell. Jesus turns to that crowd. Just like I'm going to turn to you. I expect lost people to act like lost people. I expect lost people to look like lost people. I love lost people. I get around them and I try to hang around them and I try to let them see. And there's, there's hope. There's people in this church today because I hung around lost people. Jeremiah, you wouldn't be here if I was just sanctified and sanctimonious. I wouldn't hang around lost people. Because that's how I met you. I expect that. But when it comes to Christians, I want to ask you a question. I'll put it in the life group. Listen, if you're not in a life group, I would sign up just for this week. So I don't like that. Do it just for this week because you need what I'm going to ask you this week. Listen, can you be saved and not a Christian? Think about it. Don't, don't answer. Before you answer, you're going to get embarrassed. Don't answer. Can you, be a, can you be saved and not a Christian? Before you answer that question. Can you be a Christian and not a disciple? Can you be a Christian and not a disciple? A disciple, what do you mean? A disciple is a, a learner, a student. A, a disciple is an apprentice. Jesus says in Luke 14, if any man will come after me. Let's read it. Do you realize that he used the term and the word disciples hundreds of times and the word Christians only used about three? We claim to be Christians. We claim to be disciples. We claim to be God's people. But are we acting like it? That's what Jesus turns and looks at the crowd. He looks at that, that big crowd that's following him. And the Bible says this. And there went great multitudes, verse 25. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man... Now see, that's what teaches me. This is not just for preachers and missionaries and, and, and deacons and, and, and church leaders. He said, if any man, if any Christian, if any saved person is going to come to me, and hate not his father and his mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. Whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Wow! Preacher, I don't know if I got in it for all this. Preacher, I just want to do my 45 minutes on Sunday and let me go home. What are you talking about? This phrase, this terminology, unless he hate his father, his mother, his wife, and family, and even his own life. And the word hate in, in the Jewish terminology, in Jewish language, means to love less. But basically, this is a hyperbole. It's an exaggerated statement to prove a point, to make a statement and a point. He is saying, listen, you got to love me so much that your love for them, it looks like hate because I am a priority in your life. 
We see, we see an expectation. How many of y'all know God's got expectations for us? God's got expectations for every, listen, every sinner. His expectation for the sinner. He said, it is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's expectation for the sinner is simple. Repent and be converted. Come to Him and believe on Him with all of your heart. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God expects you to trust Him. God expects you to believe Him. God expects you to be saved. God wants to save you today if you're here today and you don't know Jesus listen you're just a casual attender you need to become a a, a believing saint say amen God expects that out of you he wants you to take the gift that he has provided but God has expectations for every saint here today God has expectations for every Christian here today. God expects you to be a disciple. He doesn't want you to be a name-it person. Somebody just claims the name Christianity or Christian. Just claims the name. Listen, He wants you to be a real disciple who is a Jesus follower. Are you following? Or are you in that appearance? You have the appearance. You'll show up. You'll put on your smile. That's as far as you're going. God said, if you're going to follow me, listen, there's some priorities you're going to have to make. I'm first. I'm first, period. I'm, 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 I'm first. I'm before. I'm before the hobbies. I'm before the clubs. I'm before your job. I'm before your family. I'm before everything else in your life. I'm before your dreams. I'm before your, your goals and your situations in life. I am first. I am primary. The Bible says we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. We are to put Him first before anything. And if you're not willing to do that, you're going to stay in that shape your whole life. If you're not willing to sell out and say, God, you're first. So what do you mean, love, it, love Him more than your own life? That's what that Iranian pastor is going, I dare you. I dare you, I, Alabama double dog, dare you to go on Voice of the Martyrs. Go on Voice of the Martyrs' website and and list all of those martyrs that's given their life, that's doing it right now. They can give you lists of people that are in prison right now that are fighting for their freedom simply because they named the name of Christ. People that's been beheaded. People have been executed. People have been tortured simply because they said they were a Christian. And we got up this morning trying to figure out whether we was going to go to church or not. He said, am I first? Am I priority in your life? Because if I'm not priority, you cannot be a disciple. Listen, not only that, but he says this, unless a man take up his cross... And follow me, he cannot be my disciple. There's got to be a place from the priority, then be, write this down. There's got to be a pursuit of purpose. You've got to be willing to do what God's called you to do. You've got to be willing to do what God has gifted you to do. This cross, we think, most women think the cross they have to bear is their husband. It's my cross to bear. Or arthritis. Oh, arthritis is just my cross to bear. No, 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 you're missing it. You're totally missing it. The Bible says, this Bible says when it comes to the cross... When it comes to the cross, Jesus said, John 12, 27, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I into this hour. He said, for this reason did I come into the world. I came to the world for this cross. 
John 18, 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. He's saying, I was born for this. I was born. This is why I came into the world. This is my commission. This is my calling. Do you realize every one of you was born with a calling? It was born with a purpose and a destiny given to you by God. God has got a divine destiny that's planned for you, and He's gifted you to accomplish that purpose. He's gifted you to accomplish that thing in your life that nobody else can do just like you do and unless you're willing to take that up unless you're willing to learn what that is unless you're willing to get involved in the local church and use the gift that God has given you you can't be a disciple why do you think we're set up in our church the way we are loving God loving others and serving both we believe we need to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. We need to put Him a priority. That's why we're singing and praising and glorifying in here. Then we're going well, to go to our life group so we can learn to love each other. That's not fun. That's not always easy. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it takes effort. But God has called us to this. This is not a sandbox. We're at war. We're in a fight. Paul said, I fought a good fight. Paul told Timothy to be a good soldier. This is no time to be a sissy. This is no time to wobble. Help me now. Help me now. The Prime Minister of, of England, Mar Margaret Thatcher, right? Margaret Thatcher called President Bush the first, the first one. When, it, when all that took place in Kuwait and all that took place with Saddam Hussein the first time, she called him and said, Sir, Mr. President, this is no time to be wobbly. You know what that means? We can't be wishy-washy. We've got to quit being in and we've got to quit being out. We need to make up our minds. Are we or aren't we? Are we Christians? Are we soldiers? Are we disciples? Or are we going to stay flimsy our whole life? Are we just going to keep an appearance? Say, but what he's requiring is awful. It's just a lot, preacher. Really? Really? I mean, can you say that really and, and, and look that with a straight face and say God's expecting too much out of you? Because if you can, please help me. Tell me how you can do that. How can you look at the cross that he carried Look at the body that he broke and was brutalized that he gave up voluntarily. And you telling me you can't get to church on time? We can't give our tithes and our offerings? We can't sacrifice and submit and say, hey, I'm willing to serve, I'm willing to do my part, I'm willing to get involved? I need, to get in a, I need to get in a life group so I can love somebody else. Somebody else needs my touch and my care. I can't, that's too much. Really? Why would he ask for so much? Why would he demand so much, preacher? See, he knew we were going to say that. So he explains why. He says, how many of you would build a house? Let me read it. Let me read it. He gives an expectation. How many of y'all believe, because I do, how many of y'all believe this expectation is pretty high? Now, then he gives an explanation. 
an explanation. Why is it so high? Why is he requiring so much? He says, verse 28, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it? Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation is not able to finish, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassador and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. You know what he's saying? He gives them an explanation and he uses two illustrations. He uses a building and a battle. A building and a battle. Now, some people have taught this verse to say, you need to count the cost before you get involved in this. But that's not what Jesus is saying. You don't need to count anything. What Jesus is saying, he's already counted the cost. He's already counted the cost. I know what it's going to cost to build this building. He said, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God is building a church. I know the church in America is in trouble. I know the church, listen, in our country is in trouble. But I'm telling you, the church as a whole in the world, it is on fire. It is going. God is building a church. God is building a kingdom. God is at work whether we want to get involved or not. And he says, I know what it's going to take to build the church. I know what it's going to take to get the job done. I know what it's going to require to make it happen. And that's why the expectations are this high. He said, I know what the fight is going to be like. Listen, if a man's going into battle, he doesn't go out and look, try to just, just whoever. He's going to see what is the battle going to require. And he's going to try to get the soldiers that will give him the best opportunity to win the fight. Are y'all with me? If it's a technological battle, if it's a hand-to-hand combat battle, if it's an air battle or a sea battle, you're going to go and get whatever it takes to win the battle. And Jesus is saying, we've got a fight on our hands. We've got a battle on our hands. We've got a battle with good and evil. And listen to Christians that it's going to take, the disciples it's going to take to win this battle. They have got to be committed. They have got to be sold out. They have got to be a type of person that their first priority is God and Him alone. That's what it's going to take. I've already counted the cost. I know what it's going to take. That's why I'm asking for so much. Because if I ask for less than this, if I ask for less than this, the job won't get done. We'll never build a church with flimsy people. We'll never build a church with uncommitted people. We'll never build a church with people you can't depend on. You see, this cross is the one that America wants. This cross is the one that America desires. Don't bother me. If I have some extra time, I'll give it to you. If I have some extra money, I'll give it to you. If don't bother me, I want convenience. I want, I don't want, I don't want to be pushed into nothing. This is what I want. I don't want nothing required out of me. But the only problem is that there's no power with this cross. And we've got crack addicts we need to help. We've got meth addicts we need to help. We've got people that have major problems in their life that it's going to take this cross to fix, and that cross won't get it done. We've got 34 million people in the Matili Alliance in the Matili area of northern India that's never heard the gospel. You've heard it 54,000 times your whole life, and they've never heard the gospel a bit. That cross won't get it to them. Let me, let me see if I can put it this way so you can understand it. How many of y'all have ever built a house? Anybody build a house? Build a house? Not literally, but you had somebody build it for you. 
contracted a house, had a house. God help us. You see, you get with this contract, you get with this, this contractor, and you say, okay, I want this, and I want that. I want this, 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 and I want, I want a garden tub, and, and I want to, I want uh, are y'all with me? And you go down this list. Very dangerous thing to hook the wife up with the contractor. I need a witness right there. And I mean, you go down this list, this is what I want in the house. This is what it's going to require. This is what I'm looking for. Well, after... Smoke is coming off the calculator. And Bill, when he lays that paper in front of you, three days later when you wake up, you say, what in the world? Are you trying to retire off my one house? Why is it going to cost this much? Are you kidding me? Then he lays it out. This is going to take this because this costs this, and this costs this, and this costs this, and this. And when you add it all up, here's the calculator. You see, we've jumped into this thing. And we want heaven, and we want the glory, and we want the excitement, and we want the peace, and we want the touch. Well, let me slide you the calculator. Because Jesus said this is what it's going to take. Well, I'm going to another church that don't ask for much. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's churches out there that don't require anything. And they're filling up. But I promise you this. Let the wind blow. Let the storms come. I promise you this. If I was in a hurricane, I'd rather be hanging on that one than I would that one. He explains... There's going to be a cost. The cost has been counted. The conclusion has been confirmed. He said, unless a man's willing to forsake all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Let me finish with this. Let me finish with this. He goes to tell a story. And I, I thought, why does this go with this? He just tagged this on. Why does this? And then it started making sense. He said, salt is good. I mean, just right out of the blue. Let me, let, me, let me prove it. I say, I, right here, right here, Luke 14. Luke 14 and verse number 30. Look, watch this. Watch this in verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good. Does that look like it goes there? I'm like, did, did Luke get hungry all of a sudden? I mean, what is the... Salt's good. And then if you, if you really study the Bible, you find out that, that God is saying, you're salt. The Christian, the disciple, is the salt of the world. Y'all with me? And that's good. We need disciples. We need sold out, committed, all in, baby. Let's put all the chips in. We need sold out disciples. And man, that's good. Now watch this. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? You know what? Salt in that day, and it wasn't like the salt in our day. It could still look like salt, but have no flavor, have no seasoning, have no ability to change whatever it was put on. It had lost its savor. It had lost its saltiness. Are y'all with me? 
He said, it doesn't matter what the salt looks like if it don't get the job done. Are y'all paying attention? Doesn't matter what our church looks like if we're not getting the job done. He's saying if the salt has lost its ability to change whatever it is it makes... Con oh, hallelujah, Jesus. That's recordable right there. If the salt has lost its ability to change whatever it makes contact with, we are change agents. Salt is supposed to change its surroundings. And listen, if we're not changing the world around us, if we act more like a, thermo or a thermometer than we do a thermostat, we are useless to God. Watch what he says in the next verse. Watch what he says. It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill. But men cast it out. He, hath a, he, hath, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. He says, it's useless. It's useless. I can't use it. And what God is saying here, unless we're willing to be a disciple, sold out, committed, you're useless. You're just taking up space. Gosh, I don't want to be just taking up space. How many of y'all? <laughs> Jeremo was working yesterday and a few times we had to tell somebody to get out the way, didn't we? How many of y'all have ever been working and real busy cutting limbs and maybe when the, when the toy, and, and, and then that old boy's just standing there looking like Gomer. And you know, you want to say, dude, get out of the way. Either pick up a hammer, pick up a saw, or get your behind out the way. I know none of y'all act like that because you've never been in the hot sweat when it's burning down and you're trying to work and somebody's standing there working. That aggravates the fire out of me. If you're not going to work, don't stand around me while I'm working. Go home or something. Go get a Coke and bring me one. But don't stand there while I'm working. I need a witness. Does anybody feel the same way I do? I'm sorry I used the word behind, but it was the first thing that came to my mind. If I offended thee, I'm very sorry. But do you know what we need to do? We need to bow up and stand up in the house of God, in the church of God in America, and tell the people, if you're not going to help, get out of the way. At least help. Buy some pom-poms and cheer for the rest of us. Do something. Because if you're not doing what God has called you to do, God is saying, you're worthless, you're useless, I can't use you. Our church consultant says, you won't get them back that way, preacher. It'll make room for those that are willing to work, though. I'd rather spend my time getting some salt in here. I don't want to have to go to a third service or tear this wall out and fill it up with more people that ain't going to be salty. Well, you said about lost. I said lost. Lost don't know to be salty. We want them in. We'll fill it up, but they'll change. It's amazing to me. I've never had problems out of people that were lost that come in and got saved. The only problems I've ever had with church problems are people from other churches. You know why? They had an appearance. But they didn't have this. 
Because see, with this comes surrender. With this comes submission. With this comes service. Jesus had no problems taking off his robe and washing the disciples' feet because his cross was real. It was not the appearance of one. You see, the Pharisees, they had an appearance. They had an outward look, but they wouldn't have washed the disciples' feet if, if their life depended on it. Why? They had no substance. Are y'all with me? I don't know what God's going to do with this, but I'm just sharing what's on my heart. America's in trouble. And it's not the lost fault. It's the church's fault. I want to do this. As every head's bowed and every eye closed. I wonder who will decide right now. I don't care what you've been in the past, but today, this moment, I am going to be a disciple. I want you to come stand right in front of me. I want you to come stand right here. Just stand. Don't kneel. Don't get around. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. I'm challenging you right now. I'm daring you right now. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a disciple. I'm going to be salty. I'm going to be used. I'm not going to be in the way. I'm not going to be in the way.